and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Last episode, um, if you've listened to that, um, we talked about... The first two Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then we also talked about blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. This week, we're going to be talking about the next three. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Um, so in regards to blessed are the meek, St. Augustine wrote or said, and then it was written down, I'm not really sure. <laughs> that is a <laughs> No. I mean, it was, he did, he, it could have been a sermon. It could have been something he wrote. It could have been anyone. So he said this, this was on a, verbally this, or written. <laughs> well, this is a particular thing that he did right. write. Now, whether it was a, a, something he preached first or I don't know. But he did write this yeah. this on the Sermon on the Mount. St. Augustine uh, said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall, by inheritance, possess the earth. That earth, I suppose, of which is it is said in the psalm, You are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. For it signifies a certain firmness and stability of the perpetual inheritance, where the soul, by means of a good disposition, rests, as it were, in its own place, just as the body rests on the earth and is nourished from it with its own food, as the body from the earth. This is the very rest and life of the saints. Then the meek are those who yield to acts of wickedness and do not resist evil, but overcome evil with good. Let those then who are not meek quarrel and fight for earthly and temporal things. But blessed are the meek, for they shall by inheritance possess the earth from which they cannot be driven out. So what's Augustine saying here? He's, he's saying that meekness signifies a certain sort of sadedness, realizing that you are here on this earth with your lot, and that is yours to tend. It is not yours to solve all of the problems of the world. What is right in front of you is what God has called you to be faithful with. That's what he's saying here. So he's saying, the, the thing that we're positioning ourselves for, fighting for all the time, we allow God to give that to us. We inherit that earth that we're striving so hard to control and possess and make sure everything looks right and does right. And we see a lot of this in the fighting in between these factions within the church, this desire to make it all perfect, this, a, a, a sort of Catholic utopia in the world. And so often, and not always, but so often, it creates, it, there's such a lack of meekness there and of understanding that it is the Holy Spirit who is guiding us. It is the Holy Spirit who has given us our portion. It is the Holy Spirit who has asked us to do our daily things. And it takes a lot of meekness when you know a lot of stuff and you read a lot and you have a lot of opinions to order yourself toward the things that God has given you and to, a lot of the time, restrain yourself, even when bad things are done to you. How do we do that? How, what does that look like in our daily lives? So that's kind of what Augustine is, that's sort of a modern drawing out of what he's saying here. 
can we truly inherit what God has asked us and given us to inherit? Or are we going to jockey for it and fight for it and be haughty and, and you know, try to earn our keep and, and stake our claim? Like, what does that look like in our lives? Letting go of that possessiveness to inherit what we truly want. It may not be as, like, deep, but before I married my husband, you know, I had a couple of other boyfriends. But, well, and that <laughs> it's funny because the, when we decided to not be in a relationship anymore, we, uh, uh, the type a couple's relationship, I still stayed friends with them. My exes were a part of our wedding. I, uh, one of them was my, one of my bridesgroom, uh, one of my bride's dudes, and one played guitar at our wedding. <laughs> was that actually his title instead of bridesmaid? It was bride dude? It was, uh, yeah, it was bride's dude. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I had two, I had my maid of honor, my matron of honor, and my two bride's dudes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love that. So, Anyways, continue. <laughs> but, um, I, I just, uh, I don't, like, maybe this isn't as, as like, you know, in-depth or whatever, but I feel like everybody always asks, how could you stay friends with them? And I was like, well, our relationship in the beginning was based off of friendship. And so I think that that's important when you have, you know, you, I want they wanted to will my best and I wanted to will their best. We decided that that wasn't going to be in a intimate relationship with each other but it, it was still a, a good enough relationship that we didn't want to throw it away if that makes any sense mm -hmm. and I don't know how many times like people are like I couldn't ever be friends with my ex but I think when our society is always out for revenge is where I'm getting at and I think that sometimes we have to put that aside when somebody is important to us because we eventually had the conversation that you are important in my life and I want you to still be in my life. We just have to figure out what that's going to look like now. And they were in my wedding. I went to their wedding. Both of us have the spouses that we were supposed to have and we're still great friends. And it just, sometimes I think we get, because of the way society is, we get confused about what relationships should look like. And that's a whole other thing. But I just, I feel like that that's, that has, how that has played out in my life, that I had to put the wheel, somebody who hurt me, I still wanted to will the best for them. We have to set sometimes those things aside. But I think that that's what that means. So just not always ha having to have the last word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. You know. I like how Augustine put it, they're like, um, the meek are those who yield to acts of wickedness and do not resist evil, but overcome evil with good. Like, when I first read that, I was like, wait, what? Like, they, they don't resist evil? What's that? And then it says, but then overcome evil with good. And I was thinking about um, our last recording when we talked about blessed are those who mourn and how that mourning um, is meaning like over sin and that you know and, and that which is you know evil in this world and then he's the the very next one is this blessed of the meek that are not not necessarily um in your face about the evil but overcoming it with the good and like that restraint and like i just thought it was interesting like like there's there's always a reason like they were just back to back this is what you know and 
and that um, that accompanying people by there's people in our lives that we know aren't following God's will. We're called to accompany them in a way like yes, you're to, like we're we're to admonish the sinner and call out you know like and, and help people in a loving way, but we're not going to turn hearts and convert souls by calling people out um, in a nasty Facebook post or, um, you know, or, or, you know, but rather by how we live our life for God and that through that, like, I love, I just love that, like overcoming evil with good. I think it's funny you mentioned converting souls because that particular ex was not Catholic and converted to Catholicism <laughs> later, like years <laughs> after we had broken Like, wow. So I just, they, it's interesting that you talk about converting souls with good instead of, yeah. you know, even if there's evil things there. We don't, we don't, you know, it's, like, it's kind of like we don't fight fire with fire. You right. fight, yeah. Not yeah. saying well, that we shouldn't yeah. be like preaching the kerygma and like yes, sharing Christ and everything, right. but we're, you know, simply. Like you know, saying those things is not going to be what turns. It's going to be our how we are living our life, how we are living these beatitudes. Well, I think it goes back to what we were talking about in the previous episode about not judging people, mm-hmm. so not coming down like they're you know, yeah, that we that when somebody is living a life that is sinful, maybe they do something to us, um, they say something disrespectful to us about our faith, they make fun of us, they make fun of the church in general or whatever, they make fun of Christ. That rather than getting, you know, a haughty about it and going after them for it and stuff. Yeah, choosing to pray for that person, um, choosing to, um, if you have, if you're in a position where, you know, they might actually listen to you, um, like, you know, based upon the relationship that you have with that person, like, you know, telling them, like, actually, this is what the church teaches. This is what we believe, explaining it to them. And I know that, um, well, I've heard, I don't remember who I heard this from. But they were talking about how, as Catholics, as Christians, we are called to be unoffendable when it comes to our faith. That um, we don't just, you know, get all mad. And it's okay to be upset about the things in the world and stuff, but we don't get so offended that we're like, oh my gosh, this is a personal attack on me, even when it is a personal attack on me. We go, this is Christ. I'm being persecuted for this, uh, for my faith. Like, I'm going to give it to God, and I'm going to act out of love for this person because... God wants the ultimate good for not only me in this situation, but for this person as well. And I have to look at it through the lens of God and not just myself and my feelings right now. I know I've had that with my in my personal life where I have people who are close to me who have, you know, made Facebook posts or they've we've have been having conversations and um, you know, somebody who's there with me who's also Catholic, you know, they tell me about how afterwards how disrespectful these people are being to me. Um, and having this conversation about Christianity and Christ and stuff. And, like, I just didn't... And this was just solely by, I think, the grace of God. Like, I didn't notice it, Mm -hmm. really. Like, it was... I was listening to their opinions. They were giving them. And they were definitely, you know, like, anti-Catholic, anti-Christianity. But it was just that was their opinions. That's where they were at in their lives. And this is where I'm at. And we were talking about it back and forth. And I was trying to inform them and plant those seeds and just let God take care of the rest. And I think that was an example of God's grace working in me when I didn't even realize it, I guess, that, you know, they were, that I, I wasn't, I wasn't getting offended in that moment. And I think that that's what, I, I don't always do that, <laughs> but I think that that's what we're called to, called to do is to, yeah, to, to inform, to love, to pray. 
do do good for those people. Y'all correct me if I'm wrong. It's like when you look at the Jesus's life. So it's like there's a time for turning over tables and for cursing fig trees, and then there's a time for turning the other cheek. And meekness is being able to see which is which. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't always, you know, have that, <laughs> but like, like, cause, cause, like, I, you know, I know there's t- so many times where I'm like. I feel like this is a turning over the tables moment, <laughs> but really being able to kind of discern what does God really want me to do in this situation. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's key because if you read the testimony of the fathers and you, the, you know, the Beatitudes in line with the rest of the Gospels, every day we say the Our Father. I mean, maybe sometimes a lot of times a day. Uh, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom come. The Beatitudes is the coming of the kingdom on earth. It is the possessing of the inheritance of the power of God. It is the way that Jesus comes and fills the earth. If Christians are not practicing the Beatitudes, if that's not the litmus test of our faith, then the kingdom of God cannot come on the earth. If Christians don't align themselves with the mission of Christ and allow him them to be filled with the divine nature of Christ, which is how we do it is by practice. Remember, it's not our power. It's we put ourselves in a position to receive from God the power that we need to live our lives. And that's what the Beatitudes are. It's that aligning, like what Stacey was saying, with the kingdom of God, with his heart. That's what, you know, we'll talk about righteousness next. And that's what it is. A righteous man is a man who's life and thoughts and words are aligned with the life and thoughts and words of Christ. But the Beatitudes allow the presence of God to fill the earth. And when we allow him to do that in the Beatitudes, he fills us and spills out to everyone around us. So that's the that's the incarnational nature of this. This is how Jesus keeps coming back to us in the earth. It's how he's living his life again on the earth, renewing the earth. All creation is renewed through Christianity. Even the rocks, you know? So in my life, though, you guys are saying some incredible things about meekness. I just keep thinking about my mouth, (laughs) my relationships, and what meekness has just been in my little silly life. What the hardest struggle for me with meekness is shutting my mouth when I deserve to open it. Or when I have something to say that's worthwhile, when someone has hurt me, let's just bring it even a little bit closer. In marriage, what does meekness look like in marriage? I'll tell you what it looks like in my marriage. It means not having the last word. Like Alicia said, it, it means forgiving when this man who loves me and who loves God and who's not a big sinner living apart from God. Let's talk about meekness in terms of how are we meek with each other? Those of us who are trying to follow Christ, who are living the life that God has called us out, but we're still imperfect humans who will snap and say something awful or speak from our wounds or just live underneath our calling. What does meekness look like in marriage? What does meekness look like with our children? It's what Annie said. It's that withdrawal from the self and that momentary lapse where you take a step back from grasping what it is you think needs to happen in that situation and letting him inherit, let give you that inheritance instead. I think that's what it looks like for me. It means not saying a thing 
and anger ever. That's what meekness should be. If I am angry at my husband, I know that I need to not say a word. That is meekness, it's power under restraint, even if I'm right, even if I'm right. And it's mercy. It is mercy. It ties I mean, very closely with mercy, yeah. actually. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, so many of these times, like, I mean, I know that I'm right. When yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been arguments. There's been different things where, you know, I'm right. But that mercy and that forgiveness of, you know, what, you know that, that, that restraint, the holding back, and that desire um, for the right, like, for things to be made right. And to maybe, because if there's a supernatural aspect to this, which Jesus says there is, then what happens if we don't build, what happens if we build that emotional wall when someone hurts us and we start that little process of withdrawal, you know, we all do that, that little whoosh, going to step back, build up that brick and just watch from a safe zone to see what you're going to do next. So you're going to hurt me again. You're not safe right now. I'm going to distance from you and build a little wall. Do y'all do that? Am I the only one that does that? Listeners, comment if you do this. (laughs) Okay, so that is a plate that is a trauma response. What if I didn't do that? What if I let myself sit there when the arrow struck and just let it strike? And let God defend and let God restore. And instead of holding that person at arm's length where my prayers, hear me when I say this, my prayers for that person are hindered when I am holding out a revenge for them in my heart my prayers will be hindered. So do I instead lay down, give it to the Lord. And I'm talking about little wounds, guys. I'm not talking about abuse here. I just think we should make that a caveat. I'm talking about the little wounds of everyday marriage and relationships that we have with our families, okay? Do I seek revenge by withdrawing? Do I seek revenge by some other manipulation? Do I seek revenge by some other withholding? Or do I pray and let the Lord comfort me in my morning? Do I acknowledge that it's morning that I'm experiencing and invite him into that? Is that what meekness looks like? In my life, that's what meekness looks like. I was just reading um, the commentary on the uh, Blessed are the merciful for they should obtain mercy from the Nisha's study Bible, and it says, I just, I loved this. Um, Those who imitate the Father's mercy by extending forgiveness to others, the merciful are patient and understanding and bearing with each other, bearing with others' faults, and they are generous in aiding the needy by works of charity and compassion. But patient and understanding and bearing with others' faults. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, like, it's a huge that part really of Christianity that we just ignore. I was like, it's a huge, huge part of marriage. Yes. <laughs> like, that is, that's where we live it out in our lives, yeah. <laughs> or like day to day, and our children, oh, our, like, our families. Like, how are we patient and understanding and bearing our spouses, our kids' faults, or are we quick to point it out? It's almost as if we don't expect to ever be put upon. <laughs> or to be sinned against, or to be trespassed against. How dare you? That is antithetical to Christianity in every possible way. Jesus even says that. Just so you know, <laughs> you will be persecuted for my sake and otherwise. 
you will be persecuted. You will be put upon. You will be trampled upon. You will be misunderstood. You will have your words, which came straight from me, misinterpreted by the people that love you the most and know you the most, and you will feel like an alien in your own home. And these are things that happen, guys. This is part of being a Christian. Do we address that, like Andy said, with meekness and mercy? Or are we always constantly jockeying for our place on the earth? Well, and I think in the, the beatitude, the you know, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I think he's hearkening back to, and I don't know, I can't find the chapter and verse or book, but I know the verse, like, I know, like, what it says. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father also will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. And so he's kind of, I think, including here, like, and a, a, all of these, he's including a reality of, you know, if you do this, this is the reward. And by virtue of that, if it's the opposite, if you do the opposite, you're not going to get this reward, essentially. Exactly. It's mm -hmm. a promise, a condition. Exactly. To receive it, this has to happen. You can't recognize and receive this until this. Like parents do with their kids. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, well, yeah. We can't see. Yeah. We can't receive if we don't put ourselves in a position to receive. And I think mm -hmm. that's what it is. And even when we talk about, you know, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think that in terms of meekness and mercy, it ties so well into that because... Hungering and thirsting for righteousness is hungering and thirsting for the good of someone else. For the love of God to manifest in their lives, to be manifest in their hearts. For our actions, our meek and merciful actions to bring about his love and to make it real. This is the heart of the Father. This is, as Ratzinger said, you know, that interior landscape of Jesus. The way he thinks, the way he acts. How he comes back to the earth through these beatitudes through us. It might be cliche, but the and those of you who've been listening know that I get songs stuck in my head <laughs> during recording sessions. But the one has been there pretty much through this whole talk is that they will know that we are Christians mm -hmm. by our yes. love. Me too. Oh, it's been right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just keep seeing like, and, and then somebody will say something. I was like, well, maybe I should say it. But then they keep saying it. Mm -hmm. And it's basically what we're saying here is that they'll know that we are Christians by our love. Yes. And it's not even our love. It's his love yes. working through yeah. us. And I, I just, I love that we were talking about these three together because they're all, all eight of them are entwined with each other because it's the totality of like, what yeah, saying, it's totality of Jesus and the kingdom here on earth. But I feel like these three are just so closely tied. We can't, when we, it's hard to seek the good for somebody else, that righteousness and God's, God's will for somebody else if we're too busy talking to them and our words not God's words and it's really hard for us to forgive them if they hurt us if we're holding on to those things and we can't show that mercy and I just feel like those three just are just very go together and it's all and boils down to we can't always be offended or angry at things and still speak God's word. Right. And we can't bring people to conversion if we are 
upset and angry and holding on to these, not forgiving others. We hold on to these things. And as Lauren has said several times, we have these trauma responses and those are, those create barriers and we need to let those things, you know, we need to let God work through us and not put up those barriers. Let him, let him jump over, leap over the barrier and do the work through us. Also to be healed from those trauma responses, we have to be seen in them, right? Yes. Like we have to let Jesus see us hurting and wanting to build the wall and not building it. Our hand kind of shaking over that first brick, looking at him like, you want to do something? Yeah. (laughs) I'm about to build this wall if you're not going to do something. (laughs) You know, like we need Jesus to come and, and to heal those things in us. But first we have to be vulnerable enough. We have to be meek enough to hunger and thirst more for his kingdom than we do our own protection. To hunger and thirst for mercy more than, and I don't know, I don't, I feel like I'm just making it all about like my thing with it, but this is just where it's been for me. Like that's where I experience. And back to the catechism, it says that these speak to us personally and to us as a whole, as, as a Christian community. And so like we do have those little personal things that we, we know and we bring forth so it's not that it's all about your it's just how those is working in your life. Mm-hmm. They will know that we are Christians by our love. By our love. <laughs> we are Christians by our love. By our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. I'm not being meek right now. I'm just judging you all. <laughs> I'm shaking my head over here. Y'all weird. Leave it. Leave it. <laughs> And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, and join the community at smartcatholics.com.